You're listening to Where is Hillman Anyway, the podcast all about your favorite sitcom, A Different World. I'm Jamie, and I have my co-host, Xanthan, a.k.a. Ben the Furious, Robert, a.k.a. Hucified, I'm out here in these tour streets. Here with me to discuss the show. Let's get started. What's up, y'all? We are here with episode 11 of Where is Hillman, uh, season two, episode... Episode nine. Hey guys. What's happening? Hey. All right. Season two, episode nine. All's fair. You know, directed by Debbie Allen, written by Robert Edwards, premiered on December 15th, 1988. Whitley objects to Kim spending so much time with her new boyfriend, especially as they start monopolizing the girl's shared room. Freddie alienates her fellow writers when she improves upon their work as the new editor of the literary magazine. That's pretty much it. (laughs) That's definitely what this episode is about. Willie's a hater. Man, what? That's what you got from this? Willie is jealous of all the time she's spending with her boyfriend. What? (laughs) Come on, y'all. You wild. (laughs) <laughs> oh, this is going to be good then. Okay. So this, I'm not, we'll, we'll get to that. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> this episode opens with Dwayne, Jaleesa, Walter, Kim, Kim's boyfriend, and another girl all in Kim and Whitley's room playing charades. So who, was, who wasn't invited? Oh. I'm saying though, there's like 10 people in the room. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it had anything to do with that. It's just... Imagine if you came home from to your dorm and there's just mad people in there, like right? Because Whitley walks in, he's all these people. Plus, you know how Whitley is, and you walk in and you see Dwayne, Walter, and Kim's boyfriend sitting on your bed. That's different. That's foul. I'm sitting on my bed. I don't know you. Yeah, that was another thing. Laid out, chilling. That's different. That's foul. Yeah, and she comes in with her Whitley. You know, hmm, that's nice. All you got, I hope y'all are having fun. Y'all look real comfortable. Right. Comfy. She's like, comfy. I hope you guys are comfy. They're like, oh, we can move. Oh, no. As long as you're comfy. And she's leaving out to go see a French film, to the French film festival. There we go. Where they have those at? Right. I'm already sure we didn't do anything like that. Right. Right. <laughs> Sitting yeah. at the front. If Norfolk State had a French film <laughs> festival, no one would come. You better have yeah. a, a black exploitation film festival. I will do that. That'll be fire. Right. I will do that. <laughs> hey, look, we're watching Shaft and Superfly. Right. <laughs> the Mac and um, Spocky Brown. The, the Mac is fire. <laughs> Goldie the dude. Yeah, so yeah, I, I didn't get that French film festival, but you know, she's Whitley and she's both bougie. So. Maybe they're cultured over there. I don't know. Yeah. So, Maybe. okay. Instead of taking this episode scene by scene, I want to break it down into the two stories there's the A story and the B story. So, of course, we know Whitley's in the A story. <laughs> and Freddie is in the B story. The A story 
basically, Whitley is upset with Kim and her boyfriend for monopolizing the room. They started off with just, uh, you know, well, Whitley walked in on them one day. Thanks. And, <laughs> of course, I would ask, but y'all might not want to tell those type of stories. <laughs> no, I'm finna wrap it. Get walked in on by your roommate. Nah, that's not happening. <laughs> Never? Mm -mm. So they come up with a system of putting a scarf on the doorknob. Hold on, one thing. Now on band trips? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Can we go there? <laughs> That's all I'm going to I think we've heard enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So... <clears throat> Like I said, Willie walked in on them, so they came up with a scarf on the door knob as a warning system. Uh, another time, Willie's coming home. She's had a terrible day. It's 11 in the morning, and she broke her heel. She's going up to the room to try to get a new shoe, limping <laughs> through <laughs> upstairs, <laughs> and Kim is tying the scarf to the doorknob. Willie's like, no, I need my shoes. And Kim's like, this is not a good time, Willie. It's not a good time. How is that okay? It's not. <laughs> if you don't move like, get to my room. Right. If, he's full, if you're fully yeah, clothed, she's fully clothed, and she's like, I need new shoes. Kim closed the door and shoved some shoes in her hand. It's like, all right, you got to go. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's static, man. So that's when Whitley decides to go to Jaleesa, who tells her, hey, you got it. You figure it out. So Whitley's idea of figuring it out is to go over to Kim's boyfriend's room and move in over there. Right. But of course, that doesn't go over so well, because when she walks in, it's uh, who? It's uh, Walter. No, Walter's not in there. Walter's the RA. So it's Dwayne. It's Dwayne. Uh, Kim's boyfriend and... Uh, and Isn't your name Sam? Or it was Sam? He was in there from this yeah. from the class. No, not him. Not the, wasn't <laughs> Sam the guy that Dwayne did the, was supposed to do the project with? Yeah, he was, was a different guy. It's he a light skinned dude, right? I think his name was Jamal. The, or something. the tall, light skinned dude. That's, yeah, yeah. He, that's Kim's boyfriend's roommate. Yeah, right. And so um, they're playing poker or spades or something, and that's when Whitley walks in. Doing Bill Cosby impressions. The general pudding pop. Like, why are y'all talking like Bill Cosby? Like, can someone explain? I mean, I know Cosby Show was wildly popular at the time, but they're living in that universe. So, like, who are they? Are they imitating Doctor Hustable? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> why hey. do they all know Doctor Hustable? Right. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Is, is this also a universe where Bill Cosby and Dr. Hudson will both exist? I, right. I have questions. I have questions. That's all I'm saying. I didn't even think about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh, this is funny, but I didn't even think about the fact, like, how? How? <laughs> how are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> so, and then another question why, why is Dwayne sitting there in his tidy whiteies? That was no, all. No way. No. What are you doing? Y'all do that? No. No. 
No one does that. Like, what are you doing? Put some pants on. What's wrong with you? Just like what Walter said. Like, what? What are you doing? Why are you walking around with no pants on? Like he's doing laundry. <laughs> okay, so I'm towel on something. <laughs> something. A robe. You ain't got no ball shorts. You only got one. You only have enough clothes for one load of laundry. We got one pair of pants. So, Kim ends up coming over to that room, and they talk. Kim realizes that she's been monopolizing the room and Whitley knows that they should have communicated better. And yes. basically that's the end of that story. Yeah. So, I mean, so you guys never had any conflicts with roommates and girls, whether it wasn't on your side, but maybe your roommate was doing something foul? Nope. Any kind of roommate conflicts? Mm, not really. Hmm, well, that's good. Well, yeah, yeah, because um, well, when I was in the Sydney, like, I live, oh, go ahead, you can go for. Not a good uh, Scott. Oh, oh. even so, I ain't had no problems or anything. Hmm. When I was in the Sydney, it was just uh, both of us. We were one of we were two of what sixty black dudes on a campus of a thousand. Uh, okay. We were pretty chill. Uh, we were both musicians. We were both pretty chill. It was just cool. Um, so we never really ran into that type of problem. Plus, you know, it's all gospel, so we didn't really get a whole lot of. Oh, um, oh, I didn't know it was an all guy school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah. you didn't have that at all there. Well, I mean, Longwood was just up the street. Like it's oh. literally, it's literally ten minutes away. So what um, about at North State? Uh, in Norfolk State, my roommate used to leave every weekend. Oh. Like, so I only saw him on weeknights. I mean, the only problem is that he used to go to sleep at like eight o'clock. So <laughs> I was like, I'm just getting in from bed. I'm probably not even in from bed practice yet. Like, you like, watch TV, you yeah. yeah, like I, I can't, I can't, like I, I want to play PlayStation. Maybe I want to talk on my phone. I can't do anything because this dude has been <laughs> sleeping for three hours already. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have a lot of roommate issues, but I know people that had some. Like one girl, <laughs> her roommate was wearing her underwear. What? Uh, oh no! Nah. <laughs> she, oh. bar- she borrowed it in quotation marks. Oh no! Nah. Actually, I heard a story about that recently. Uh, something like that. Like some girl had she caught a girl wearing her underwear a few times and shoot her out for it. Eventually, she caught her wearing some of her lingerie. Oh, wow. That I, was like, it, I don't get that. That doesn't make sense to me at all. That's foul. Beyond foul. Right. But what about um, the other theme of the freshman romance? Because at one point, Whitley was like, these freshmen and their hormones. <laughs> you know, a lot of people that came to campus and just went, Yep. Head over for someone. Mm-hmm. They used to do that in the first week of bad camp. <laughs> so okay, got so. out there and they, they didn't know what to do with themselves. Right. <laughs> Just a lot of people weren't there second semester. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. We did. Freedom, and you see a lot of new people you've never seen before. Right. So the B story is Freddie in her English or poetry class. They never said what kind, What class is this? 
I'm gonna assume it's like a creative writing class. Ah, oh, maybe creative writing. I didn't even think about that. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, creative writing class, and they're writing poetry. And um, one guy gets up to read his poem, and Freddie is extra critical of his poem. And the professor is like, um, you might need to calm that down a little bit. Right. Because you're not perfect. <laughs> so, but, and she was like, well, it's just my opinion. And he, <laughs> the professor is giving the guy some notes. I think he said something about, you might want to take your, I don't know what he said, your blue pen, take your blue pen to, um, to a couple lines of this. And Freddie's like, oh, and while you're at it, you might want to check out your rhyme scheme. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> the professor's like, you might want to consider silence. <laughs> right. Silence. She literally so, like she knew everything. Right. And we find out that she's the editor of the poetry review publication that's coming out. Um, in her jobs as the editor, she goes through and basically changes everyone's poems to make them perfect in quotation marks, including the meat locker, who we remember from an earlier episode. Mm. <laughs> He's a poet. He's in Freddie's class, and she butchered his poem about an ant. <laughs> he was so mad, too. He was not pleased. So bad. <laughs> he was trying to get Walter and Jaleesa to get her to do something about it. Because, like, like, but listening to him read out that poem, like, I'm I'm really curious as to what his original poem was. Right. Why didn't they ever say? <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, it, it didn't really help if they only gave us one side. Like, I don't know how big of a difference it made, but maybe it was a deleted scene that they thought they didn't need, but they were probably wrong. But, <laughs> <laughs> it would have been interesting to know what, he probably had something about the ant frolicking through the meadow. Probably. Like, <laughs> ant, dead, dead world, desolate, despair, death. The ant. <laughs> Fred, we know how Freddie is. So. Right. What did she do? <laughs> so, because of her zealousness, the professor takes away her position as the editor and ends up giving it to the meat locker. Yep, that sounds correct. And he now, as as an educator, you want to be careful about the students give power to. Right. Because someone really can handle it. And they go instead of helping, they hinder. Yeah, that's. But like you don't want to turn the kid right now. Because I, I learned. I mean, it's easy to well, not easy to see, but you can see that as soon as you give some kids power, to go straight to the power trip. Mm-hmm. First year teaching, I gave one of my more mature eighth grade females like a job in my room, and she got kind of power hungry. I don't know if it is because at the age females are more mature and they think they can be bossy. But she was really bossy. She was mean. Be just that girl Because <laughs> <Yeah. bossy. laughs> that's not a... Uh, that's, that's real anecdotal, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just noticed that if you, if you give certain kids power... Yeah, it's certain kids, and I don't think it has to do with their being a boy. But I've never had that. I've never had that with a boy, though. I have. The boys, the boys have. don't want the anyway. 
Oh, well, yeah, and I'm going back to my time, which was years ago. And plus, you know, nowadays. But I'm pretty good now that I'm older. I'm good at managing and picking the kids so I don't have that issue anymore. I know who to give stuff to and who to give stuff, take stuff from. And because I mostly work with middle school kids <clears throat> well, and beginners, these kids, they don't really have, you know, I'm still trying to uh, work out who to give power to and take power away from. But sometimes I end up having to give power to the kid who you would not think. Right. So you don't, like, if you give your best player power, they're going to think they're, like, above everybody else. I, it depends on the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I'll say that I was the best player and they gave me power, but I didn't think I was better than everyone else. Well, I knew I was right. well, you're like, you're not like playing a, wise. Yeah, you're not, a, you're not an arrogant type person. Right, I'm not. I'm not arrogant. I like to work together. Um, but I, and, and I think that that's what I try to teach all my kids. It's like, you know, especially the, I, I'm thinking of my sixth grade trumpets in particular because I have two of them. That are the problem. Right. I have two of them that are probably kids. Um, one of them is always um, in ISS or something like that. And the other one, he just likes to talk a lot. He's a really good kid. He tries really hard, but he can't stop talking. He tries. He'll say, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But what? Is it? I'm like, no, we don't need to know. But I just got to ask. I got to know. <laughs> like, come on. Hey, dude, shut up. So, there was a day when both of them forgot their instruments. How do you forget your instruments? There's an echo. Forgot it. You forgot it on purpose. You don't forget your instruments. With these two kids forgetting their instruments on the same day, I, and we had to be in a smaller space. Usually I get the stage. This time we had to be in a practice room. And I had eight of them. So I had to do two rows of uh, four. And we were tight in there. It could have gone really, really really bad but immediately from the beginning i made them drum majors <laughs> oh okay. and i said okay you guys are you guys are here to help me i need you to conduct so i taught them how to conduct and they spent the whole class trying to learn the conducting pattern <laughs> and because they were they were caught up with trying to get their hands to go right and to be in tempo with me and try to get that right I had no problem with them the whole time because I gave them something. I made them feel like they were important. Yep. My problem kids and made them into, you know, made them want to try to be leaders. That's educator one-on-one. Yep. So <clears throat> since we're going to switch gears a little bit, I think this was the last episode. Well, in, in our chronological order, this is the last episode that was taped in, in December of 1988. Because um, we did episode 10 of uh, Radio Free Hillman. We did that one already. So I wanted to talk about the year 1988 and how a different world fits into the culture of that time. So if we start with the um, ratings, a different world ended the year at number three. Yeah, that's good. Cosby Show was number one. Number two was Roseanne, and A Different World was number three. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And to think, <laughs> in season one, Different World was... Uh, so bad. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it still could be playing on the lead-in of the Cosby show. And then when I did some more research, I think it's also playing on the fact that there was nothing else on on Thursday. On ABC, there was some show called Night Watch that I don't remember. Another uh, mid-season replacement was some show called Find a Fine Romance that I've never heard of. And then CBS had 48 Hours. Yeah. And that was it. We do a 48-hour show. Yeah, you know, you know, 48 Hours, the show. Hey, Dude, Oh, the movie? That's, that's the a movie? No, 48 hours, you know? The murder happens and you get 48 yeah. hours to solve it. That sounds very weird. 220 years old. 48 hours is still on TV <laughs> today. It's a reality show that follows the cops trying to stop, solve a murder in 48 hours. You could have stopped it for a reality show. Now, now I understand why I've never seen it. Oh. <laughs> well, either Never way, those are the shows that a Cosby show in a different world went up against two hour long dramas. There was only three channels. So there wasn't a whole lot of, um, can't relate a whole lot of, uh, um, competition. During that time. Variety. Gosh, Tyrannosaurus Rexes as well. Jeez. Right. Ha ha ha. Walks together to get fire. And... <laughs> what? I, I love those fireside chats. <laughs> <laughs> because we only had three channels. Oh, I don't think you heard what I said. How <laughs> was the what? How were those fireside chats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With your Flintstone cars. <laughs> I'm trying to school y'all in 1988. I was born in 88. Yeah, I was six months at the end of 88. <laughs> right. And so do you guys know how important that year is? It's a great year in hip-hop. Yeah, I was born in that year. Exactly. <laughs> so it was a great year for R&B and hip-hop yeah. some of hip-hop's greatest albums came out in 1988. Come straight out of the Compton. That did, yeah, that came 88. out, that came out in 88. You got um, Public Enemy, Rick. it's a nation of millions to hold us back with Don't Slick Rick's debut. Huh? Slick Rick's debut. Slick Rick, um, yeah, did Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince with He's the DJ and I'm the Rapper. Parents there's, there's another big one. Uh, Biz Marquis. BDP. It Takes Two came out that year. Um, yeah. Ice T had his stuff. Yep. Ice T Power. That's when Gangsta Rap started. Yeah. Eric B and Rakim, Follow the Leader. Yeah. Jungle Brothers, that was big. Big Daddy Kane. Ain't no half stepping. Come on. MC Light, Light as a Rock. Oh, yeah, that was, that was the other one I was thinking. Right. It was the MC Light. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of good uh, rap came out that year. And on the right. R&B side, which I know we've already gone through some songs, we got um, Night and Day by Albie Shore, My Prerogative with Bobby Brown. Um, that was really big. Um, Off on Your Own Girl. Hey, uh, question. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard Eric B talk? <laughs> I, I, wow. I, I feel like I'm like. No. Jeez, wow, never. <laughs> I was just wondering because, like, they're always labeled as Eric B. I don't even think Eric B is DJ, dog. Honestly. Stands <laughs> in the back of the area trying to rock him. He was a DJ. Yeah, sure he was. <laughs> One of my favorite songs as a kid Symptoms of True Love 
by Tracy Spencer. Anthem, you should know that song. Should I? I played it every day in my office during the summer for work study. Really? And I wasn't there. Every day. I saw it like, I was up there, I used to have you write down songs so I could take a home. <laughs> and get on LimeWire and download it. LimeWire. <laughs> remember LimeWire? I bet your computer got tore up. <laughs> right. <laughs> it did. It was, it was like a, it's a brick now. <laughs> <Right. laughs> had, had all the music, but the browser could only go to porn. Like, that was it. My <laughs> <laughs> computer just stopped working. I had thousands and thousands of songs. I bet you did thousands and thousands of viruses as well. <laughs> right. Hey, <laughs> worth it but yeah and then Millie Vanilli came out that year with Girl You Know It's True um Paula Abdul came out that year look at this list The Way You Make Me Feel by Michael Jackson oh yeah that was oh yeah that was a good one um, a kid did that in my sixth grade as I was in sixth grade that year in my sixth grade talent show. Was that his first single from Bad? That's not bad. No, Bad had to be. Oh, you mean the second single after Bad? Yeah. Could be. I'm not exactly sure. I was 12. Oh, that now, now it's now look, look. sure. Okay, great. And then movies were big that year too. Coming to America came out that year. That was coming to America. You're right. Yeah. Coming to America, school days. Um, let's see. Coming to America, school days. I'm gonna get you, sucker. Those, those are here. Yep. 1988 was a pretty big year. Friday the 13th. Hairspray came out that year. I still want to talk about the travesty that is the 69 percent on Rotten Tomatoes that Coming to America has. I still don't understand. What? They can't. They can't relate. They can't relate to it. So, Coming to America has a 69 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What? That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Because people that don't look like us are rating on movies. They can't relate to them. They don't get it. Like I want to say, Hollow Knights has a low, has a low Rotten Tomato score too. Mm. Yeah, it does. Oh, Beetlejuice and Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out that year also. Didn't, what Batman came out eighty nine, eighty eight, eighty nine. Okay. Yeah, eighty nine. Yeah, like she said, School Days came out that year, and then Do the Right Thing came out the next year. Yeah, eighty nine. So 88 was a pretty big year in pop culture for um, for black people. It was awesome. We had the number one, number three TV show. Yeah. We had huge classic albums and songs that came out that year. And then a couple of uh, movies that are forever yeah. going to be in. You're hard pressed to find a black person that doesn't know a line from coming to America. I don't know if I've ever met anyone, any black, black person doesn't know at least something. Because if, if, if you can't come up, if I can't come up to you and say, just let your soul glow, and you don't know what I'm talking about. We can't be friends. <laughs> okay. Honestly. If we can't yell sexual chocolate, like, why are we doing this? <laughs> what are you doing talking to me? I don't, oh. that, boy, that, boy, that boy good. Right. Child's Play came out that year, too. Twins? Remember Twins with uh, um, uh, Schwarzenegger, <laughs> Schwarzenegger and uh, Dan DeVito? You know they're supposed to be doing a, a sequel to that? What? Yeah, it, 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 it was oh, actually greenlit like oh, three years. No, it was it was green. There's a screenplay and everything. I think Josh Gad wrote it. 
there's a screenplay and it was greenlit, but they haven't actually done any filming. Well, Josh Gad is hilarious. Yeah, he is. Um, the th- uh, but of course, it's, there's going to be obviously, you know, every time they do a sequel of these things, they add something in, and it's always a up a number, even if it was already two. So it's supposed to be triplets, and I'll let you wow. guess at who the triplet is. Who's that? I really want you to take a guess first. Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just think of somebody else random and wacky. Just what would you think a third? No, not The Rock. No, it's it's Eddie Murphy. Will Ferrell. It's Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy? (laughs) Yes. That's so random. I I know. That's my point. It was already random. It was Danny DeVito (laughs) and Arnold Schwarzenegger were twins. And (laughs) y'all... And it was like they're all side effects. Oh, I cannot leave out that Salt and Pepper came out that year too. Their first album? Yep. Real power. Salt okay. and Pepper and MC like Light came out that year. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking at this um well the, the the chart, the top, the number one RB single the eighty eight. Uh-huh. These are classic up yeah. Yeah. But just got paid. Yeah. I don't think you said those. Those are you didn't say. Actually, I'm looking at I'm looking at the top ten movies too, and there's a bunch of ones in here that are like to this day. Like you got Ooh, give me the best. Yeah. Yeah, that mm-hmm. came out in September. Give me the best I got, Anita Baker. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was what were, what were the top ten movies? Uh Rain Man was number one. Oh, okay. Followed up by Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Coming to America at two and three, respectively. Uh-huh. Then you had Big, oh, um, yeah. Tom Hanks, Twins, Crocodile Dundee 2, Die Hard. Uh-huh. Um, the Naked, the first Naked Gun. Mm. Um, that was number eight. Nine is Cocktail, which was a Disney movie. I'm not familiar. Mm-hmm. And number 10 is Beetlejuice. Oh, wow. Yeah, those are all um, pretty big. Cocktail is apparently a, a movie by, it's starring Tom Cruise. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. He was a bartender. Okay, sure. You got it. So, could he see over the bar? I feel like... Ah, I'm sure they gave him lifts. <laughs> I put some in his shoes. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that, like, Tom Cruise, every time, like, he's never taken, like, near a frame of reference, so you can never tell how short he actually is? I can't take him seriously after watching the... Um... <clears throat> Okay, so you guys, you guys just froze, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? We got into a tangent about uh, 88 movies. Okay. Well, I asked, like, when was Arsenio Hall's show most popular? Was that 88 then? Hmm, let me look. We need to find that out. That's um, Arsenio. Mm-hmm. It ran, oh, next year, 89. Is that when it started okay. in 89? Yeah, 89. So it was like coming to America his 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 first like really really big break or, um, yeah, because then he yep coming to America first and then Harlem Nights, yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. Okay. Yeah, because I'm looking. The only thing he did before coming to America, he was his role was apartment victim. So yeah. <laughs> he, he was a comedian too, and he's he did some um you know the comedians used to go on the late night shows. Right, yeah, okay. And yeah. so he did some of those also. Right, that makes sense. But yeah, but yeah the, so yeah, we'll be talking about Arsenio Hall show next. 
next next year. Well, not next year, this year, but in the next <laughs> episodes when we get into 1989. Yeah. Yeah. MC Shan. Kid and Play came out with two hype that year too. That was a real 88 is a good year. You guys had a good year to be born. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think right. that's a good way to close this out. <laughs> you know, oh one thing, one thing, one thing. Mm-hmm. Who was the NBA MVPs in 1988? <laughs> NBA MVP in 1988. Might as well look up who won the NFL Super Bowl that year, too, huh? Let's see. We got... You know what it is. I don't know what to do. it's Michael Jordan. <laughs> the funniest name. Magic Jack. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to say that. Maybe it is Magic because he's still alive. Hmm. No, it's Michael Jordan. It's Mike Jack. Huh? Most Valuable Player Award winner, 1988, Michael Jordan. Because 88, 89 was Magic Johnson. Yeah. 88, greatest year of all time. I mean, 76 was a good year, but I'll give y'all 88 was a really good year. Jesus Christ. 88 was a good year. I'll give it to you. 76, I mean, I guess. It was the centennial, the bicentennial. I guess. So we'll always be important historically because it's the bicentennial. I feel like when you talk about 1976, you got to look back and look up real hard to try to figure out what was going on during those times. And with that, (laughs) I want to close this episode. It's been great. Thank you, guys. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, Where is Human. Hit us up. Give us some reviews. Rate us on iTunes. Like us on SoundCloud. Tell a friend. We'll be here. Telling a friend. Michael wants to be a millionaire. I I don't think that's really Sure. Talk to All right. We'll see y'all next time. Goodbye. All right. Peace. Thanks for listening, y'all. The theme song that you're listening to was produced by DRAC. He is the producer for the Soundminers. You can find him on all social networks at PHDRAC, D I R A C. And the sound miner at sound underscore miners, M I N E R Z. Uh-huh.